Jones and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Five o'clock hour, the Burns and Gambo show. We've got Tim Ring filling in for Gambo here. And with the news that came down this morning that J.J. Watt had played his, not only his final home game for the Cardinals, but his final home game in an NFL uniform, immediately we got our heads together and we started thinking about who can we talk to about J.J. Watt and the impact that he's had in the National Football League. And Tim was the first one to suggest it, but i got to admit it was the first name that popped into my head, too, as somebody who has covered J.J. Watt for virtually his entire NFL career when he was in Houston. He writes for gallerysports.com. He retired from the Houston Chronicle. Uh, he's still all over the airwaves in the Houston area. John McClain is joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line to talk about J.J. John, I'm Dave. This is Tim. Thank you for your time today. We appreciate it. Guys, it's my pleasure. I could talk about J.J. for days, telling stories about football, about away from football. I'm working on a column right now for gallerysports.com, which is free. There's no paywall. And I'm writing very little about statistics and more about stories that I know away from football about J.J. Shows what an extraordinary person he is. His parents raised that kid, all three kids, the right way. Start with this then. When you saw the tweet today, did you have any inkling it was coming? Did you have a feeling something like this was coming? Did it take you by surprise as somebody who's covered him as long as you have? What was your initial immediate reaction when you saw the news? I've been watching all the hard knocks because I want to keep up with Wyden Hopkins, two of my all-time favorite Texans. And uh, I watched how J.J.'s having his best season since uh, 2018 when he had 16 sacks after overcoming a broken leg. And I thought he would play a couple more years. You know, he's 33, doesn't turn 34 till March. And then I thought about that heart issue, which he had to get his heart shock back into place and I thought Kaylee uh, you know she's got a pretty strong right foot and she uses it to kick him in the butt and tell him to retire <laughs> he's probably going to do what she wants and I, he can as I've told people here I was doing four hours on my talk show here this morning on the Texans flagship and I had been talking on the radio watch contracts up the McNair family should bring him back and let him finish his career in Houston and I sent him a text telling him what I was doing. And then right when I get off the air and the next crew comes in, I get it, the, the you-know-what hits the fan <laughs> because of his tweet. And uh, and so I sent him another text talking about bad timing. And, and I've had so many requests. I do seven talk shows usually on Tuesdays, and I've tried to accommodate everybody. I've had to turn some down, got one more tonight, three more in the morning. And I could tell white stories away from football all night because I've covered, I figured up, this is my 51st year as a sports writer, and I've covered the NFL for 46. And the greatest defensive players I have ever seen are Reggie White, Lawrence Taylor, J.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, Bruce Smith. And so I looked up J.J.'s four best years. He had 69 sacks. Reggie White, the greatest defensive player I've seen, had 68 in his four best years, one fewer than J.J. Lawrence Taylor's best for four years, 63, Aaron Donald, 59, and uh, Bruce Smith, 55. And you take into account J.J.'s six best seasons with two to go, he has 94 and a half. 
Reggie White has 99. That means J.J. needs five in these last two games. Lawrence Taylor, 87 and a half. Bruce Smith, 84. Aaron oh. Donald, 81. So Watt only trails in his best six-year period, Reggie White, and he has more than anybody in history over a four-year period. And and J.J. always played the run game. The run game, he played inside, he played outside, he got double-teamed, he got beat up. We'd see him in the locker room, and his legs would just be black where people had hit him so much. And uh, and yet he didn't come off the field unless he had a broken leg or a torn pack. He missed half a season with a torn pack, came back in the playoffs in 19, and and, uh, and But it was still the things he did off the field that set him apart. I have never seen any player do as much. And a story that I remember that I'm putting in my column, when he was drafted in 2011, it was Wade Phillips' first year's defensive coordinator under Gary Kubiak, and they were switching to a 3-4, and they were 30th in defense the year before. And so Wade wanted Alden Smith, the Missouri outside linebacker, because he thought he would fit in well with his Three four. 49ers went ahead of the Texans and took Smith, and the Texans took Watt, and the fans at NRG Stadium for the draft party booed him, and he got a big kick out of that for the rest of his career. And uh, it was a lockout was that year. He couldn't sign, and there was a family here named Barry. B-E-R-R-Y. It is a famous story here. They were coming back from Colorado on a vacation, and they had a wreck in their van. Killed the parents. Kids were, were had some form of paralysis. So it was a huge story here. The Houston Chronicle ran stories daily. And one day, I read to the bottom of the story talking about local dignitaries, politicians, celebrities who would come visit those kids. And in the last paragraph, it said, New Texan J.J. Watt. Nothing else. So when the lockout ended, I went to him. I said, "Do you know the? Did you know the Barry family before you got here?" He said, "No." I said, "Well, I saw you've been going to the hospital to visit the kids." And he goes, "Yeah." And I said, "Why?" He said, "Well, I just I was sitting around doing nothing during the lockout, so I went up there to see if there was anything I could do, and uh, I've gotten to know him." And he's still really good friends with these two kids. And that, that told me so much about him. And I asked him one time early in his career, why do you do so much in the community? He said, well, I'm single, but I don't want to go to bars or clubs. And I don't want to sit around on my sofa watching Sports Center. So I want to do stuff to help people. And when I get married, then I can lay around and watch Sports Center. <laughs> and and I was stunned. And, and perhaps the, he paid for funerals here when a little town south of Houston had shootings that killed a bunch of people and he paid for all the funerals. He's not looking for any publicity and early in his career he didn't get much but then once he got so famous he couldn't do anything for anybody without it being on social media. One time I had a firefighter send me an email. said, J.J. Watt has been to our firehouse. They had some kind of problem there. He showed up unannounced, bringing food, hung out with him a couple hours, and this firefighter thought I'd want to know for a story. So I asked Watt. He said, yeah, that's true. He said, but would you not use it? I said, why? It's a great story. He said, Cause I don't want people to think I told you about it. And I, I don't want them to think that I told you about it. And, I, and so I said, okay. And I did. And to me, of all the great stories, including the one where the Texans left New Orleans in August and went in the hurricane 
Harvey had hit Houston, and and we couldn't get back. So the Cowboys gave their facility in Frisco, suburb of Dallas. And I rented a car and drove up there, and we stayed up there four days. And Watt's first night in this hotel, he does a little video and says, I'm giving a 100000 for Hurricane Harvey relief. I'm hoping you, meaning his followers, will contribute enough to raise another 100000 And I think he ended up with like $38 million. and he's voted NFL. Uh, Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award. And the other story, this one got out. Uh, a mother, a little girl, I think it was like seven or eight, was crying one day. And the family's big Texans fans. And the mom said, what are you crying about? She said, I'm not going to be able to marry J.J. White. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the mom thought that was funny. And she recorded her little girl crying because she was not going to be able to to marry what? So the mom put it on the internet. It ended up getting to what? So one day after practice, the parents loaded up their car and their other kids, and they went to NRG Stadium. They told the kids they were going to buy tickets at a concert because the ticket office is right by the entrance to the lobby. And they go into the lobby, and Watt is standing there with a jersey, and a PR guy is standing there with his laptop, holding it up in the air, playing Here Comes the Bride. Watt gets down on his knee, asks the little girl to marry him. He puts the jersey on it, picks her up, dances her around the lobby. Oh, the little girl's in shock, and the parents are crying like crazy. Hey, John, you're the perfect guy to ask this to. The city of Houston has such a rich history with sports figures, both both on the court or on the field, off the court, when you talk about characters. And I'm going back to the, the Oilers days. Wow. Put it in perspective what Watt means as a player and a person to that city, to that market. When you talk about all the greats, and not just football players, basketball, baseball players, collegiate athletes uh, at the University of Houston, where does, where does Watt fit in when it's all said and done in terms of player person, his meaning to that city of Houston? If there were Mount Rushmore here, Earl Campbell, Nolan Ryan, Akeem Olajuwon would be on it. Guys like Clyde Drexler, A.J. Foyt, Carl Lewis, Moses Malone, uh, uh, Elvin Hayes. That's a big so Mount many Rushmore. athletes from Houston, Bagwell, Biggio would be there, but Watt would be up there with those three. And Earl Campbell is beloved because of what he did for what's the love you Blue Oilers. Nolan obviously grew up south of Houston, and he's an icon here. Elijah Wan, of course, helped the University of Houston, five slamma jamma, go to Final Fours, won two championships with the Rockets. And based on everything Watt did during his career, on and off the field, he would be right up there with them on a Mount Rushmore of great Houston's greatest athletes. Wow, good stuff. John McClain, gallery sports columnist, our guest here on the Burns and Gamble Show. John, I know you're busy. You obviously got a lot of these to do because everyone wants to talk to you. Thank you for your time. We really appreciate it, okay? Guys, it's my pleasure and Happy New Year.